Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to this online worship service with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, on this Lord's Day. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, know that you are welcome here in this sacred space and time together. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God. Our first reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Listen for God's word. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the epistle lesson you just heard, Paul invites us to claim the fullness of our baptisms by embracing the truth of our connection to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the waters of baptism, we have been freed from the power of sin to live and work as citizens of God's kingdom. And in our gospel lesson, Jesus reminds us that bearing witness to that truth is still a risky business. Listen now to this word from the Lord as recorded in Matthew's gospel, the 10th chapter beginning with the 24th verse. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. May the Lord's Spirit help us to hear and understand this God's Word. Amen. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. These words sound so harsh and so out of place coming from the mouth of Jesus, especially now when there is so much civil unrest. But as Caroline Lewis points out, that's what happens when the truth gets told, when the truth is let loose, when the truth is finally uttered. Peace is hard to come by when the truth ends up actually being said. Well, that is because the truth makes us uncomfortable, especially when it comes to a hot-button issue like racism. As the actor Will Smith said some two years before the deaths of George Floyd and Armoud Arbery, racism is not getting worse, it's getting filmed. We could scarcely imagine at the time just how prophetic Smith's words would prove to be. With the ability for almost anyone to film almost anything, the truth about racism is finally being told. And for some, the truth is too much to bear. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus knows that we are wont to remain comfortable in our denial. As one commentator puts it, so as to avoid any exposure to the truth. Jesus knows how adept we are at dodging disclosure and sidestepping the truth, not just in the White House, but in the Lord's house as well. There are those who say the church should stick to the Bible and stay out of politics. There are those who have left the church, including the meeting house because they were not comfortable with the truth, not even when it comes from Jesus. To paraphrase Lewis, there is an unchecked assumption that preaching about political things like health care, economic disparities, immigration, or racism is simply a choice and not a mandate. Some think the cross can only be about the forgiveness of one's personal sins and depravities, not corporate or systemic sins, conveniently forgetting that the cross was first an indictment of the empire and thus reducing the cross to the means of salvation instead of rebuking political power. Well, Jesus makes it clear that the cross exposes not just our individual sins, but also our institutional sins. The cross calls into question any and all people and policies and institutions that put a knee on the necks of the poor and the powerless. Here and elsewhere throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes it clear that the truth we are called to speak will not sit well with some folks because it is a truth that disrupts established routines, upends economies, challenges priorities, and calls into question those people and institutions 
that promise peace while silencing any and all resistance to their self-serving and sometimes deadly agendas. Jesus says, Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing is secret that will not become known. Sooner or later, the truth will come out, and the truth is this. While the good news gospel is good news for some, the gospel is bad news for others. It is good news for the poor and the powerless, but it is bad news for those privileged with the power to lord it over others and to put down peaceful protests by any means they deem necessary, including deadly force. And that means, my friends, that uncovering the truth and testifying to the truth is and always will be a risky business. In his book, How to Be Anti-Racist, Ibram Kendi argues that the heartbeat of racism is denial, and the heartbeat of anti-racism is confession. Being an anti-racist requires self-awareness, constant self-criticism, and regular self-examination. Traits, I might add, that many of our political and religious leaders seem to be lacking. Kendi also says that if the church cannot be the model for confession, then it has no right to claim it is living out the Great Commission. So to those of you who have asked, what can I do to combat systemic racism? Well, you can start with confession, as I attempted to do in last week's sermon. You can own your personal and family history, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As the theologian Willie Jennings reminds us, it is that history that has steeped and poached us in the fear of those we do not know. You can also own the history of your workplace, your church, and yes, your local, state, and federal governments as well. Histories that are laced with the scars of racism. But to be perfectly clear, you and I need to own more than the sanitized version of these histories. We need to own the unsanitized versions, the ones told from the perspective of our black and brown sisters and brothers. And as Kendi suggests, the place to start for Christians, at least, is in the church, something we will be attempting to do here at the Meeting House in the weeks and months ahead. As I said two weeks ago, now is the time for people like you and like me, mostly white people with power and privilege, to bear witness to the teachings of Jesus Christ and the politics of his kingdom. Now is also the time to hear and act on these words of Jesus. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. As we learned last week, 
a life in relationship with Jesus and committed to his mission will be a life of suffering for justice and righteousness. To borrow again from Lewis, believing in Jesus, really believing in what Jesus says and what Jesus stands for, and then admitting it is risky business. Relationships will change. Relationships could very well end. That in part is what Jesus is saying. When you stand up for what you believe, nothing will ever be the same, ever again. So anticipate being unfriended and unfollowed. Lewis is right. Believing in Jesus and aiding and abetting his mission is risky business. Bringing things out of the dark and into the light and proclaiming God's justice from the rooftops or even from the streets, standing up for what we know and believe to be true about Jesus and his kingdom will not sit well with some. Following his way, his truth, and his life will inevitably put us at odds with others, and not just with the powers that be, but quite possibly with our friends and family members as well. Stanley Saunders, a New Testament scholar at Columbia Seminary, explains it this way, The call to discipleship renders secondary all other claims upon one's identity and allegiance even to father or mother, or to son or daughter. And to take up the cross aligns our mission and fate with that of Jesus, that is, with the humiliation, suffering, shame, opposition, and death that Jesus persistently speaks about here. Taking up the cross implies identification with the marginal people who were subject to Roman crucifixion, because they did not align themselves with or submit themselves to Rome's authority. Friends, the same is true for us. Taking up the cross means putting our jobs, our families, and our very lives in a secondary position to the call and claim of God's kingdom. Taking up the cross implies identification with the marginal people of our day, which, as we all know, are mostly people of color, people for whom justice and righteousness has been and is still denied. To paraphrase Lewis, as Christians, individually and collectively, we have to decide whether or not we will actually tell the truth of the gospel, the gospel that brings true peace to those who suffer, to those in need of healing, to those marginalized, to those demonized, to those oppressed. Or will we individually and collectively stay silent? Stay silent in order to perpetuate and protect our own privileges or perhaps for fear of rocking the proverbial boat. We must decide, says Lewis, 
whether or not we really believe that the kingdom of God can happen here and now. For far too long, we have played it safe, putting aside the more difficult and challenging teachings of Jesus. When it came to telling the truth about God's kingdom, Jesus never played it safe, and neither should we. Not when our streets are strewn with the bodies of mostly black and brown people, not when the voices and needs of people long enslaved remain unheard and unmet. Telling the truth may and likely will cost us something, but in the end, it's the only thing that can lead us and others into a new and a better way of life. So may God give us the strength and the courage to tell the truth of God's kingdom. Amen. As followers of Jesus Christ, let us stand firm in our faith. Let us quit playing it safe and dare to tell the truth of the gospel so that we and all people might come to know the peace and the power of God's righteous reign. Amen.